0: Well, I want to tell you a story real quickly before I get going today, and and you'll see where I'm going with this here in just a second, but I don't know how many of you knew my Granny Finley. Raise your hand if you knew my Granny Finley. Jean Finley. None of you. Wow. I thought she was more popular than that. Uh, But my Granny was a saint. I mean, she died two years ago at the age of 90, I believe. Uh, She was a saint uh, all the years that I knew her which was my entire life, she was just a godly woman. No one could ever say a bad word about her. She was just uh, she was borderline holiness as far as, you know, the denomination. She'd wear her hair up and just, you know, no makeup, just plain Jane. And she was such a loving woman. And she loved garage sales, okay? Um, and one day, one Saturday, I believe, she was out um, shopping at garage sales. And she found this gold-flowered, Necklace that she just fell in love with and she thought I, ha- I have to have this and it was only ten dollars So that was a good deal. So she buys this gold-plated flowered Necklace and she takes it home and the next morning she wakes up to go to church and she puts this necklace on and And she's just so proud of this necklace and she's walking into church and she's showing all these people her necklace And and she noticed that after about three or four people that have seen this necklace that she's getting some really strange looks And so she was talking to one lady, and she was showing her, Hey, look at this necklace. I got this for $10 yesterday at a garage sale or yard sale. And the lady looked at her and said, "Uh, Miss Finley, you realize that that's a marijuana leaf, don't you? (laughs) She immediately took the necklace off. When, When she got back home, she takes this necklace she wraps it in paper towels and then wraps it in aluminum foil and stuffs it down in the bottom of her trash can so no one could find it. She had no clue what was around her neck. And I'll share that story with you this morning because I believe that there are many people, a lot of Christians, who subscribe to beliefs or ideas that they really don't even understand. Uh, we see this a lot in politics. People, well, I'm a Democrat. You don't, you don't even know what they stand for. Right? You're just a Democrat because your mom and dad were, or your grandparents were, or I'm a Republican, or I'm this, or I'm that. We see this in clubs, uh, in organizations. People subscribe to a set of beliefs or, or doctrines, if you will, that they really aren't even clear what they mean. And we specifically see it in churches. And we realize there are many denominations, uh, even across the River Valley, that people could... Um, could be at today, different denominations of churches. And those different denominations, they get their difference by different beliefs. They're, you know, one church down the road may, be, they ha- may have a set of, or different set of beliefs than what we have, and those are doctrinal beliefs. They're doctrinal differences. For example, uh, one church may believe once saved, you're always saved, while another church may believe that you can backslide and fall away from grace. Uh, One church may believe that the Bible is the only inspired authoritative word of God. While other churches or denominations may believe that God inspired other books as well. Uh, One church or denomination may believe, uh, speaking of baptisms, we'll be doing that here in a minute. One may believe in baptizing infants. While another church may believe in only baptizing professing believers. One church may believe in no musical instruments. they just only a cappella singing in in the service. While us, you know, our church, we believe in, man, let's blast it, let's make it loud. The louder the better. And all of these are are different doctrinal beliefs that have caused us to have different denominations of churches. And I, I made up my mind at the first of the year that I wanted to take... One Sunday this year, and I may start doing this every year, I don't know, we'll see how this goes today, but I wanted to take one Sunday of the year and talk about one of our core doctrinal statements at our church. Um, I believe that it's very, very important, because especially as we were singing one of the songs "Fall ago, I believe in this, I believe in that. Do we really? Or is that just a song to us? And so I want to talk about this morning, I wanna, it's going to be a little different, my presentation, I, I may not be as as charismatic and, and uh, you know walking about. I'm going to be more of a teacher today because I want to teach this morning on the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. The belief that God is three in one that we just sing about. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. How many realize this is a very dividing idea or belief? There are a lot of people who do not believe in the Trinity. And even a lot of people who say they believe cannot explain the Trinity and what it means. And I believe that this is a very important uh, doctrinal statement that we need to understand. Now, when you search the Bible, if you have a, a, a Bible program where you can do a word search, you will not find, I don't know, maybe it's in some of the, uh, the newer translations. It may be in the Message Bible. I mean, you can figure out how to b- make brownies reading the Message translation. But but the word Trinity is not in the Bible anywhere. However, the implication that God is three in one or that God is a triune being is in several places in Scripture. And that's what the Trinity simply means. It means triune or three in one. For example, we as human beings, we are triune beings. We have a body. We have a soul. Some of us. And and we have a a spirit. So we're body, soul, and spirit. This is in the Bible. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures this morning because this is a very... um, We need a lot of scriptures to support what I am teaching you today. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Right from the beginning, we find the triune being of man. It says this, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So he takes the dust and he forms a what? A body. Okay? So man from the dust of the ground, that's the body. He breathed the breath of life. That's the spirit. He breathed spirit into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. If you read the the King James Version there, it says a living soul. Now, your body, it's pretty obvious what your body is. We can see that. Your body is your outer shell. I call it, it's your earth suit. It's like if I was going to go to space, I would wear a space suit so I could adapt to the elements of space. Down here, we wear a body. It's our earth suit, so we can adapt to the elements of earth. Our spirit is our life force, it's what makes us alive. God breathed the breath of life, spirit, into man. And our soul is the seat of our emotions. It's, it's our feelings, it's our, our, our passions, it's our affections, it's our desires. And all three of these, body, soul, and spirit, make up who we are. All three of these, body, soul, and spirit, make us a triune being. Let me show you a couple more places in the Bible where it proves that we are triune beings. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole, say this with me, spirit and soul and body... Be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. It's pretty obvious. We see there that man is a triune being. Here's another place. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit and between joint and marrow. That is our, our bodies. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desire. So I have shown you Genesis 2.7, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Hebrews 4.12. I I believe, we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but I believe that the Bible proves that we as human beings are triune beings. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Would you not agree? All right. Now I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 1. I wrote down here verse 26. This may actually be verse 27. I have 27 there. It's it's one of those. Here's what the Bible says. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, here's what I want you to think about. If we, as human beings, I think we can all agree with this, if we are triune beings... And if we're made in the image of God, and in the likeness of God, wouldn't it kind of make sense that God is a triune being? Not three gods, let's clarify that. Some people think we serve three gods. We do not serve three gods. Not three gods, but God three in one, a.k.a. the Holy Trinity. One God eternally existing in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches that all three are God. The Father is God. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 15, God is instructing Moses. He's talking to Moses through a burning bush. Wouldn't you just love to have an encounter with God like that? Some of you would probably question what you've eaten that day or what you've been smoking that day if if a burning bush starts speaking to you, or other people would question your sanity if you're telling them this. But God is speaking to Moses, the burning bush, and he's telling them, Moses, I want you to go and lead my children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And so they're kind of having this, I don't want to call it an argument because God's going to win this every time, but, but Moses is unsure that he's going to be able to do this. So look at verse 13. Moses protested and said this, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, okay, well, what's his name? Then what am I going to tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, here's a, this is important, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, it's generational God here, has sent me to you. That last last part of this actually explains to us that he's saying, I'm the father of all of your fathers. I am God. I am Yahweh. I am. Not I was or I will be, but I am. He is an everlasting, eternally existent God. The Father is God. The Bible also teaches us that Jesus is God. Now here's where a lot of uh, Unitarians or non-Trinitarian people uh, have some argument. They believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but they don't necessarily believe that Jesus was God. They believe that He was more of an agent that, or a created being that, that God authorized to be God while He was on this earth. But the Bible, I believe, is clear that Jesus is God. John chapter 8 Verse 58, Jesus makes the exact same statement. Jesus answered and says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Not I was or I will be, I am. In other words, he's saying I have existed forever. Eternally existent God. And finally, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is God. Acts chapter number five verses three through four, it says this. Then Peter said, "Ananias, now uh, like, I, I don't know if I should explain what's going on here. I probably should because I know most of the people don't read the Bible. Uh, that's just according to statistics. Now I know y- all you guys do; y'all read it every day. So, but I'm just for those who will watch this later online, it's for their sake. Okay. But what's going on here is they're 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 building the first church and and they're trying to come together in unity and they're sharing their Their possessions and they're selling things and they're bringing all the money and contributing it to one pot so that all the needs can be met and so as these people are bringing it they're supposed to be being honest with how much that they're giving and Ananias and Sapphira they lied about what that they were giving they said that oh yeah this is all we got but they actually held something back then Peter said to Ananias, "Or then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied. Look at this is important. If you're marking your Bibles, mark the, mark this. You lied to the Holy Spirit. It's very important because this is going to be uh, backed up and, and affirmed here in just a second with another verse. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away." How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, look at this, but to God. So he says there in verse number 3, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And when you lied to the Holy Spirit, you weren't lying to us as men. You were lying to God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Eternally existent. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a force or a power. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. Eternally existent. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, this is so important. Because if we don't recognize the Holy Spirit... As God, we will never be freed from the slavery and bondage that keep us from living life to the full. It's very important. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Trinity. One God eternally existent in three persons Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, I just don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. You know, I don't understand how this thing works. But I benefit from it every day. You don't have to understand it. We're, we're not, how many realize that we are not God? Let me help you out. You are not God. Not very many people recognize that. We're not God. Our minds are, are finite minds. In other words, it's like this, this circle, and our knowledge is always going to exist inside this circle. We can't go outside of that. But God is infinite in His wisdom. The Bible says that His ways are higher than, or His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are beyond our way. We're not supposed to understand. He's God. And so it doesn't matter if you fully understand it or not. There's a lot of things about the faith walk that I don't understand, but I trust God. That's why it's called faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And people have tried to come up with illustrations to explain the Trinity. And there's some pretty good ones out there, but all of them fail in proving the Trinity. One of the illustrations is an egg. I'm sure you've probably heard that before. The egg is made up of three parts. You have the shell, you have the yolk, and you have the white. And all three of those make up the egg. Some of you may have heard the illustration of, of water. Water can exist as a liquid. It can exist as a solid, as ice, and it can exist as steam. But it's still water. I think a better one is probably fire. Fire, you have the, the actual flame. You have the light from the flame, which could symbolize Jesus. And you have the heat from the flame, which could symbolize the Holy Spirit. And, and all three of those elements make up the fire. And those are they're okay illustrations, but they're all going to fail. You're going to find problems of how that doesn't explain The Trinity, but the illustrations are not supposed to um, prove the Trinity. They're just there to help us understand it a little better. I I think I want to share this one with you because I believe that that one of the best illustrations of the Trinity that I've heard, and and this one will fail too, but I believe it's better than, than those three, is this illustration right here. I am a father, I have two children, I am a son. I have two parents. I am a husband. I have two wives. <laughs> Just seeing if you're tracking with me. I have one wife. I have 20 and a half years. She's awesome. But I am a father, son, and husband. Scott, the father. Scott, the son. Scott, the husband. Three different roles, but I cannot separate Scott from any of those. Now, once again, it's not a perfect illustration, but I think that you can understand that. Yet, in all three of those roles, I am still Scott. I'm, I'm, I'm husband, I'm father, I'm son. And there, there are a lot of arguments that non-Trinitarian people have. And as I said a well while ago, one of those is the fact that Jesus was not God, that He was some created being or agent of God that God worked through while He was on the Earth. and folks, I'm just here to say, that is a huge problem if we don't believe that Jesus was God. Because if Jesus is not God, then his death and resurrection have no power to save anyone. But the good news is Jesus is God, and He has existed. From the beginning, we read a while ago in John 8, 58, I believe it was, where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He's always existing, eternally existing. I think one of the best passages of Scripture that proves the eternal existence of Jesus as God is John chapter number 1, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse number 14. John chapter 1 says this In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word, what does it say? Was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now skip down to verse number 14 and this, this, is, this really proves what I'm trying to say about Jesus as God. Because in verses 1 and 2, we already find that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And verse 14 says the Word became human or flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus became a man. God became man so that he could be the acceptable sacrifice for our sins. He wasn't created the day that he was born from the Virgin Mary. He eternally existed as God. He entered our world through this virgin birth. That's why He is called the Son of God, but yet He is God. As a matter of fact, there are are several places in Scripture, uh, Hebrews 1 and 3 is one of them, that talks about the Son being the express image of the Father. He is the visible God. Jesus said in John 14, 9, If you have seen Me... You've seen the Father. We're one. Words are the expressions of our thoughts. No one, not even a a psychic palm reader, which is of the devil, but anyway. No one can read your thoughts. You have no idea what I'm thinking right now. No one knows our thoughts until we speak. Now, man, this could get into a whole other... Uh, Topic here. Sometimes we we don't even know what we're thinking when we speak, but but, but no one knows our thoughts until we speak. But then our words express what? Our thoughts. What I'm speaking right now is expressing what I'm thinking. Words express our thoughts, like, like Jesus, the man in the flesh, God in the flesh, expressed the Father. No one could see God. It's just like me. If I don't have a body, you don't see me. Are y'all tracking with me? But my body is this visible image. Even though it's not really who I am, it's part of who I am. It's a visible image. It's the tangible evidence that I exist. Jesus, God in the flesh, is the tangible evidence that He is God. And the doctrine of the Trinity, although it can be difficult to fully understand, we have to try to wrap our minds around it, because I believe that it is fundamental to our faith, for several reasons, here, here are just a few, number one, it, the doctrine of the Trinity states what we as Christians believe God is like, and who He is, we just sing about it, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, that's what, it states what we believe that God is like, and who He is. Number two, it plays a central part in our worship of an incomprehensible God. And is this a word, unobjectifiable? I don't even know if that's a word, but it's, it's close enough. It's, it's a Russellville <laughs> slang. But it, it plays a central part in our worship of a, of a God who cannot be objectified, who a, of a God who is incomprehensible. We, we, we can't comprehend it, but, it, but yet the, the Trinity helps explain what we believe about God. Number three, it emphasizes that God is very different from human beings. That's very important. Although we were made in the image of God, our, our body, soul, and spirit is housed here. I can't... My spirit can't go and, and live inside of Pastor Landon. I, I know there are beliefs out there, reincarnation that we come back as... as anyway, that just, it's crazy. But but the Trinity explains, helps us identify that, that God is not like us as human beings. That, that God, because He is triune, His, his spirit... Live with us. Man, that is awesome. That he's not some distant God that's that's off in space somewhere that, that we can't feel or that we can't experience. Because he is a triune being, we can experience the very presence of God. And number four, the, the doctrine of the Trinity reflects the ways that Christians believe God encounters them. We believe that we, we can have it. How many's ever had an encounter with God? Let me see your hand. I know I have. That is not possible without the Trinity. But because the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of children of God, He's with us always. And we can experience Him. Once again, let me reiterate this point the Trinity is not three separate gods. It's not three gods joined together or it's not even three properties of God, but rather the Trinity is one God eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you four more passages of Scripture that, that I believe support the doctrine of the Trinity. And then we're going to move on to water baptisms. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says this, then God said, Genesis 1 verse 26. Can you put that on the screen for us back there, please? Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us, have you ever read that? And like, who in the world is who's that? I know you have, because all of y'all read the Bible. Let us make human beings in our image. Notice the, the plural uh, pronouns here. To be like us. I believe that this, this scripture right here proves the doctrine of the Trinity. People, people say, well, what, what was God doing before he made man? He was preparing hell for people who ask questions like that. That's what he was doing. <laughs> I believe, and I know, and, and this is really not even my notes because this is borderline if I even want to throw this out there, but... Um, I believe that because he's always existed, that he was, he was in fellowship. Father, Son, and Spirit, that there was this intimate fellowship. And I believe that's why, since I believe that's why we have this longing to be with other people. I believe that's why we have this desire to, to not do life alone, to, to have someone, whether it's a mate or a best friend. I believe that's why we have that desire because we were made in the image of the Father. We were made in the image of God who has always enjoyed fellowship but I believe Genesis 1 explains the Trinity us our us Isaiah 9 and 6 we read this a lot at Christmas and I've never even thought about this but I believe that it, it explains at least two par- actually three uh, okay I didn't even see this until just now thank you God but actually all three persons of the Trinity Isaiah 9 6 for a child is born to us a son is given to us the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful here it is i didn't even have this bold i didn't even say wonderful counselor holy spirit mighty god who are they talking about is going to be called god the son jesus everlasting what father the prince of peace i believe that this verse proves or at least brings up some substantial argument for the doctrine of the trinity John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, the Father and I are are one. And then finally, one that we're going to practice in just a moment with water baptism, Jesus said this, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now I know this was a little bit different message this morning, but Don't you think it's important that if if we say we believe something, we need to have a a proper understanding of that belief? And in closing this morning, here's what I want you to know. If God is not triune, there's, there's no way we can experience Him. In other words, He cannot be real to us unless He's a triune being. But fortunately, for us as believers, and if you're not a believer this morning, I want you to hear this. For us as believers, God lives in us. And He helps us. That's His role, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. He helps us to overcome adversities. He gives us wise counsel when we're we're in a place of decision. No, no The Holy Spirit's our counselor He's there to help break chains of addiction And bondage I'm thankful for self help programs I'm thankful for recovery groups I believe those are great But what I'm more thankful for Is the role of the Holy Spirit Who gives us the power To overcome Who can break those chains And those Reoccurring addictions that we just can't seem to get over. The Holy Spirit, God inside of us, comforts us when we're carrying heavy burdens. He's peace when we're going through great difficulties and trials. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. God that lives inside of me and this would not be possible if God were not a triune God God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit three in one and I know right now your, your minds have just ingested a lot of information just trying to process what I just said in the last 30-35 or minutes And let me just help you out here. You're, you're never going to fully understand it. But you need to trust that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is who He says that He is. That He is the great I am. I am. And He wants to exist and live inside of you. And if you're a child of God this morning, you're, you're not... An average human being. You you are not equal to the, the unbelievers. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. You need to start acting upon who is inside of you. It's just like being a millionaire and not even knowing that you're a millionaire. The money's in the bank, but you don't realize it. So you act like you're in poverty. You live your life that whole way, but yet you're a millionaire. Many of us, we act like God's not even supernatural. That God can't do anything. Oh yeah, we're believers, but we really don't know what we believe. And there's no life and freedom that's operating in us. I say this loosely, but we need to start taking advantage of the God who is inside of us. Not advantage of His grace, but advantage of the power that He wants to give us, that is in us, and begin to do mighty things and let the world see that our God is alive. Amen. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a few moments. For those of you who are going to be getting baptized at this time, you can go ahead and quietly be dismissed and go out and change and then come back in here and, and sit up close to the front and we'll move on to baptisms here in just a moment. But For all the rest of us I want to, I want to pray before we move on. Father Heavenly Father I thank you so much for your goodness God I thank you for your spirit that I can even sense right now. God, I am so thankful that You are not some statue or some God that cannot be moved or felt or experienced by us. But You're a God eternally existent as the Father, Son, and the Spirit. God, we may not ever be able to grasp fully what all that means, but God, I know that You're real. I feel you. You've drawn me to salvation. You've drawn me into a place of of holiness and you're sanctifying me. God, you're doing a work in my life. I know you're real. And God, many people, Lord, could take the microphone this morning and talk about how real that you are to them. And Lord, I pray that we would never take for granted the fact that you live inside of us as believers. That we would truly believe that you are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for one today who may not know you, who who may not have ever experienced you. Maybe they're, they're questioning in their mind, is, is God even real? Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin, who convicts us and, and draws us to you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would begin to move in their life right now, begin to show them that, that you're the only way to the Father. You're the only way that that we can be saved. And should there be one today, Lord, who's never acknowledged Jesus as their Savior, they would do so today that they would say jesus forgive me come into my life and make me new while i wait just a moment is there is there anyone in this room by a show of hand that would say pastor scott i i I am not a christian but today i want to become one i want to give my life to jesus is there one simply by a show of hand i want want to know who you are i believe with that 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 all of us are, are christians and if and if you're not i pray that before the day is over that you make a decision to follow Christ today amen you can look up I'm so thankful for the word of God it's alive and real that's why I I get a joy out of reading the word of God because it is alive it's not just some book that you read once and you have it all you can read it you can read it three days in a row and read the same passage and you might get a new revelation from God